Okay, hello everybody and welcome to Investing with IVD sponsored by Direction. Today is March 3rd, 2021. I'm your host, Arusha Pierce, and we have Joe Fami returning back to the show. Joe is the managing director of Zor Capital. He's a star of Fintwit, and he's also the founder of JoeFami.com. Joe, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, Arusha. It's a pleasure. It's, good. it's great to be back. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about the current markets. We're going to talk about the importance of making a decision, and we are going to end the episode with a few current ideas. Let's get to the current market. The market is an uptrend under pressure right now. We're going to have to wait and see uh, if the market team puts it into a correction. As of uh, beginning today, we had four distribution days on the NASDAQ and S&P. Looks like we'll have another uh, distribution day, at least on the NASDAQ. Joe, what are your thoughts about on this market? Yeah, right now, there are times when it's clear we're in a strong uptrend. There's other times when it's clear we're in a downtrend. Where it gets tricky is when we're around the 50-day and some warning signs uh, start to show up. So what I always do when the signals are mixed is default to a defensive posture because number one, the greatest traders I've studied throughout history, they preach defense, defense, defense. And number two is for my growth style, I'm looking for a sustained uptrend. And when we're building bases, going through a pullback or correction, whichever you wanna call it, uh, it's good to be defensive, keep a watch list and lean towards the defensive side until we can resume a new uptrend. Yeah, and and it, and it has, especially over the last couple of weeks, it's felt heavier and heavier. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but it seems like every stock that I was trying or I was in, they were just it was just kept knocking me out, knocking me out, and I, I was just starting to become wrong a lot more than right. Yeah, the, that's the market giving us information because about a month or two ago when it didn't matter what you did was working out, that's when you need to take a step back and say, okay, I know my numbers and these are too good. So that's the market telling you it's too strong and vice versa when a lot of things are breaking down or they're not working out. That's a sign that, okay, I'm not this bad. It's the market telling me to slow down a little bit, reduce new buys, maybe reduce position size. And as I said, just get defensive uh, and 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 keep a watch list and get defensive and just wait patiently for better conditions. Uh, look, I'm going to pull up the Marksmith charts right now. And in here's a snapshot of the NASDAQ and I'll pull up the little spotlight. And so if you're driving, if you're working out and you're listening to this, when you get back home, you can always go to investors.com slash podcast and take a look at the video version. And here on the NASDAQ, it, it made a lower low here. It's now... Uh, it's closing even further below the 50-day moving average, 2.5%. You can see the volume started to increase here. And so there you go. The last few weeks have been a little bit more of a struggle. Now, one thing that I've learned over the years, and this is from Mike Webster, who Joe also knows very well, where our stocks work a lot better is when the markets are over the 21-day moving average. And so... We broke that a, a, let's see, we broke that on February 22nd, I think. Uh, it looks like we broke it on February 22nd. And uh, ever since then, it's, it's gotten more and more choppy. Joe, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, part of my process when I'm looking at the markets is first and foremost, I like to be open-minded. It doesn't 
make sense to be bullish all the time because sometimes we're in downtrends and corrections. And it also doesn't make sense to be bearish all the time because obviously we have some strong uptrends. So it's important to be open-minded, look at the positives and the negatives. And for me personally, that's how I decide how to adjust my investment levels accordingly. And right now, part of my process starting with the NASDAQ is taking a step back, looking at where we are, as you mentioned, in relation to that 21 day, in relation to the 50 day. So that's where I mentioned earlier, it gets a little tricky when you're right around there. Also look at the distribution days and uh, start to count those. If you get a cluster of distribution days, you know, four to six in a short period of time over a few weeks, that's obviously a, uh, a, um, uh, I shouldn't say obviously, but it's a good time to get defensive. And 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 very quickly, a distribution day is just a down day on higher volume. So over the last few weeks, we've just had more days that are going down on higher volume, which are indicating that larger institutions are trying to scale out of their positions. Yeah. And yeah, sorry if I assume too much. It's that's a great point. It is the reason you keep pay attention to that is because the big institutions control the market. So we want to pay attention. They sort of can't uh, hide their hands, so to speak. So you want to pay attention to the footprints if they are consistently selling stock, distributing or if they're accumulating stock. Uh, So clearly there's been some distribution. Uh, And then the third part is the leaders, which, uh, you know, it's obviously not gonna be on on the index charts, but just going through some of the big liquid leaders and looking where they are, because that's really gonna give you a sign. And unfortunately right now, some of those names, you know, the Apples, the Teslas, the Amazons are breaking down below their 50 day. It doesn't mean their moves are done. It just means they're building new bases. So I'm looking at the overall index, accumulation distribution days, and at a lot of the leaders as well. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull up the, the S&P 500 here. And now this one's holding up a little bit better. This has kind of started to take a little bit more of the leadership uh, versus the NASDAQ. What, what are your thoughts on a potential rotation that could be taking place out of more of the growth stocks that did well last year into more of kind of the, the reopening trade or quote unquote, the real economy stocks. Yeah, that's, that's part of the reason the S and P is holding up better is because there's just this constant sector rotation, which can make it tricky sometimes to interpret uh, the markets. I feel like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, when I was really getting involved into the canceling philosophy and the growth philosophy is I felt like everything sort of moved together. My theory is because uh, you can't earn any uh, very little interest on cash when they're selling tech, for example, they're not letting it sit in cash where, you know, as recently as 10 years ago, you could get four or 5% on your cash. My theory is that they're quickly rotating it into other sectors and that constant sector rotation is is making the S&P look a little bit better than the NASDAQ. So in theory, one of two things happens. Either the NASDAQ stabilizes and we can hopefully resume an uptrend or eventually it brings the rest of the market down with it for what, what could be just a normal correction. Uh, so with sector rotation, now, now when we were talking before, you, you, you spoke about how that's become more computerized where that, that's, you know, it's versus 20 plus years ago, a lot more emotions taking place, people making those decisions. Now they're, they, they have computers kind of handling a lot of it. Talk about, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it feels like it's, it, it's definitely computerized. There's 11 major sectors in the S&P. 
there's a lot of algos, a lot of people with, uh, you know, quantitative running these quant funds and so forth, where they're just constantly rotating and they set the computers based on mathematical models to rotate, let's say, out of something that's overvalued or that's extended and rotate into other stuff. That's why just a perfect example is energy was one of the beaten down sectors, depending on the ETF you look at, I think down 30% last year, and it's already up 30% this year. So that constant rotation makes it tough sometimes to read the markets. Uh, and then also the other point is the discounting mechanism where some of these growth stocks work from home names, the year over year comparisons are going to be difficult this year. Uh, but the recovery in the opening up the economy stocks is going to be a little bit better. So the computers can recognize that. And the market's always a discounting mechanism forecasting what's going to happen, let's say six to nine months from now. Let's talk about sentiment too. What, what, what are you seeing in the sentiment? Uh, is, it, is it starting to get more bearish or is it getting started? Are we starting to uh, hit bearish extremes here where we could maybe be putting in a short-term bottom? Yeah, that's a great question. I look at maybe eight to 10 sentiment measures. I don't think it's anywhere close to bearish extremes. Uh, I'm looking at uh, put to call ratio, especially the equity only put to call ratio because the index tends to be a little bit more hedging where the individual equities tend to be more directional trades. Mm -hmm. So I want to know what's going on there. And that's at a 20 year low, if you look at the 21 day moving average of the equity only. So it's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, you know, CNN Fear Greed, NAAIM, all these active investment manager surveys, there's, there's a whole bunch and I try to look at them as a conglomerate as a whole and they're still in the neutral to bullish side. So that's another component to this whole thing is looking at sentiment and it tends to be a little bit bullish now, but we've talked about this before. One thing I've noticed is it changes very, very quickly. Right. I feel like in the old days, it took a few weeks, sometimes months to shift from those bullish to bearish and vice versa, where now it's literally happening. It can happen in a few days even. Yeah. And, and that a lot of it is because of the way, how quickly information is spread across all market participants, uh, especially through Twitter, you know, follow, following people like yourself on, on, on Twitter, people learn about these things really quickly, any kind of news event, and they're very quick to react. Yeah, well, I'm just tweeting out stupid jokes, so I don't know how I would affect <laughs> Well, they that. react to that, too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it is true that in, you're, you're absolutely right. Information with smartphones and social media and many social media platforms, information is getting disseminated much faster, uh, and it's affecting emotions much faster. It doesn't necessarily change things. It's just, as Paul Tudor Jones says, you know, evolve, adapt, or die. We just have to evolve to it. And just understand that sentiment can move from extremes uh, in both directions much faster than in the past, which just means you have to stay on top of the market uh, a lot, a lot, um, you know, stay on top of it a lot better. Now, now we know that over the last couple of years, last two, three years, we, we've had a lot of new participants enter the market and they've entered it in some of the greatest markets out there. And what, what are your suggestions? Because now this might be, you know, one of those environment changes. It might be the first time for some of these uh, people who've been really enjoying buying the dips and buying GameStop or, or all these other stocks that were going through the roof. Now they're giving some money back. Maybe they're, they're, they're losing a bunch. What are your suggestions uh, to them 
where they're starting to lose, they're starting to get more emotional. They want to make that money back quickly. Yeah. First and foremost, you got to study history and just accept, as I mentioned earlier, there are just times when we're going to be in a strong uptrend and there's going to be times when we're in a downtrend, correction, pullback, whatever you want to call it. So that's where the acceptance part comes in and just accept. I used to get upset and frustrated years and years ago when I first started and saying, um, you know, this stinks. We're not going to make any money anymore. We're not going to have a new uptrend, but I've just accepted there's uptrends and downtrends. So you have to study history, accept that there's going to be corrections along the way. The average intra-year correction is 14.5% going back the last 50 years. So that's just from top to bottom intra-year. The other thing is, to your point about getting emotions, you got to reduce your emotions. And the best way I find to do that is with smaller positions. And you also have to learn to uh, you know, cut losses when things turn against you and learn how to read charts because there are a lot of high-flying stocks. I've said this to my educational members so many times over the last two months, realize this is an amazingly strong market. This is not normal. So that's where you have to take a step back sometimes and accept that there's going to be corrections and understand where you are in the overall process. Perfect. So the market is under pressure. Growth stocks are selling off. And so the most important thing to do right now is to make sure you are managing your risk. Let's take a quick break. But when we return, we are going to talk about the importance of making a decision. We'll be back. Direction's full suite of two and three times leveraged ETFs can provide an array of tactical choices to help maximize your short-term trading opportunities. Maximizing potential gains in every trade by adjusting the level of risk depending on a strategy every day. The funds are only suitable for investors who understand leveraged risk and intend to actively monitor their portfolio. They're not designed to track the underlying index longer than a day. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risk charges, and expenses before investing. This information can be found in summary prospectus at directioninvestments.com. Read carefully. Joe Fami is our guest on Investing with IBD, sponsored by Direction. Okay, Joe, let's talk about the importance of making a decision. And a lot of people struggle with this. In fact, and I definitely struggled with this when I got started out. I, I think it's a really important lesson uh, to go over because a lot of people in the beginning, especially when the markets are going against you, it's hard to make that decision. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I feel that 80% of the market is psychology and uh, the mental toughness and that's required to make a decision. You could have the greatest uh, investment philosophy and people can hand you stocks on a silver platter, but if your head's not right and you're not able to be mentally strong, you're, you're going to screw things up. And I would say that 90% of the questions that get asked uh, to me have to do everything with making a decision. Should I buy? Should I sell? What should I do here? Uh, all, everything has to be related to uh, decisions on buying and selling of stocks. And I just encourage people to learn how to make those decisions. Start small if you need to. It's no different than working out with a weight. You can't lift 100 pounds until you've used five and 10 and 20 and you've worked your way up. So I'm a big fan of rather than telling people what to do because you're never going to get the highs or the lows is encourage them to make those decisions on their own, even if they are smaller decisions with smaller shares, because that's what's going to build your confidence and build 
your strength as a trader. Yeah, I, I think, it, and it's completely normal to feel terrified those those first few times when you're making those decisions. I remember definitely being uh, dwelling on decisions. If I tried to buy bought, bought a stock and then sold it for a loss, I'd just be focusing on, oh my God, I can't believe I lost money on this. But you know, after a while of cutting your losses and learning that, you know what, I can survive those and it's not that bad and it's really just part of the game, it became a lot easier to the, to the point now where if I'm taking quick losses and I've taken plenty of them over the, the last month, yeah, I don't even think about them anymore. It's, I've forgotten about them. It's, it's just part of the game. You move on, but that's an important part of this whole process because you can't be the deer in the headlights when the, the markets really start going against you. No, absolutely. I, I've been trading over 20 something years. I, I have no problem admitting for the first 12, I really struggled with what I call shoulda, coulda, woulda, mm -hmm. where you're constantly questioning, should I have sold here and all this stuff. And it just finally going back to making a decision, I made a decision not to stress over it. And that key word of acceptance comes back where you just accept you're going to make mistakes. You're, you, you're never going to get the highs. You're never going to get the lows. You just have to make these decisions, maybe be happy with the gain, accept that you're going to stop yourself out and have some losses. And I think you even made the point that the more you do this, it's not that you, it doesn't affect you anymore. It's just, you become a little bit more callous to it and, yeah. and, and, and you just kind of get used to it where your emotions are, you're, you're almost worn down by it in the sense, in a good way where you, you're not getting so emotional over every little trade and decision you make. Yeah, it's it's true, and I think for for me, once I got used to cutting losses quickly, and and what I really started learning this was in the two thousand bear market, two thousand two thousand two. So I got a lot of practice at selling and cutting losses very quickly, but but I I've always found that the the harder part to learn is when those stocks are actually working for you. It's hard to sell them at that point because you're dealing with the, what if I sell and it goes up another hundred percent or something? Yeah, that's actually applies to a lot of the winners from last year. And I kind of wanted to talk about three scenarios which come up in making decisions. So let's say you research a stock or you, you know someone gives you a stock, let's just use round numbers, it's at $50. Mm -hmm. I find that there's usually three scenarios that you don't buy it and and then it might go higher, might go to 60. And then someone will say, well, can I buy it here? That's scenario one. And my answer to that is it's so important, no matter what your time frame is, to get those strong entry points. You don't want to chase extended stocks. The second scenario would be if you do buy it, it goes higher. And the third scenario would be if you buy it and it turns against you and goes lower. And to your point, every one of those decisions it takes time. I'm trying to encourage, especially a lot of the new traders. We've been doing this a while. We still struggle with it at times, but I'm encouraging the new traders. You're just going to have to decide on these things because in, in the second example where you buy a stock at 50 and it goes to 60, now you're saying to yourself, what should I do here? I have a nice gain. Do I take a profit? But what if I sell it and it goes higher? And I, I mean, I'm happy if you want to you know, chime in here, we've talked about, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. You can do right. a partial sell as, as one solution. Well, yeah, and before we get into the, the scaling part, when it goes up, especially those first few times, when you go from 50 to 60, and, and you're new at this, or especially the ones who joined 
last year, you're 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 thinking you're a genius, right? You're like, oh, this is easy. Why, why is this so hard? You know that that Warren Buffett guy. You know what's his problem? Only getting thirty percent a year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just have to decide, trader or investor. Maybe define yourself, and uh, and if you get a good entry point and you have a nice gain. That's to your point that the, the difficulty of letting some of those winners run, and that's where maybe using the ten-week moving averages averages your guide might help you stay in a stock longer than you would expect by just using that guide as an institutionally supported guideline. And again, going back to taking smaller positions because right off the bat, the, the struggle people have is you know, a struggle of buying, use some smaller positions. So at least you have something. So you're working out with those smaller weights to help you down the road with the bigger weights. Now, the third scenario is if you buy something and it turns against you, which a lot of new traders are not used to, this is where making the decision comes in. Because if you let those losses slide, and it's down at 45, and you should maybe stop yourself out, you know, five to 10% loss. And then you say, well, uh, the market's been good and I'll give it time. And then it's down at 40 and down at 30. And now you're at shareholders meetings and, you know, you know everything <laughs> about the company. Um, you, you're, you, stock, you, you're stalking you know, the CEO on Twitter now. or something stupid. But <laughs> my point is you have to be able to accept losses. It stinks. It's frustrating. It's just part of the game. But again, the more you do it, the more you get used to it and you just accept uh, that that's part of the game. Yeah. And, and uh, going back to that first scenario with the, you buy a stock at 50, it's up at 60, or even if you, uh, you bought a stock at 60 and, it, and now it's down back to 50, there is uh, something about uh, recency bias where now say you didn't buy it at 60, you, you missed, it went from 50 up to 60, you missed it. Now it's back down to 50. And you've been waiting for that pullback. And now you're scared to buy, even though it's at a perfect support area. There's that recency bias that I know I struggle with. But, you know, we all have to kind of get ourselves around that, too, and, and still follow the plan. That's a great point. I think studying charts and understanding what's normal and what's not, what's a healthy pullback or what's maybe a breakdown. I think the more you study charts helps. And. Uh, also with recency bias, it's just, it's so, it's so easy to get your emotions involved in everything. And I would say for me recently, the biggest struggle for me over the past couple months up until recently, when the market was for, let's say in November, December, when it was very strong was when I was stopping myself out, a lot of stocks turned right around. Yeah. And it gets to the point where the recency bias might affect you. And you say to yourself, why am I even stopping myself out? Everything just goes higher. But that's where you have to remind yourself about history, remind yourself about a disciplined process, because if you get used to bad habits, a great market will correct and comp overcompensate and you'll be forgiven for those bad habits. But when you get used to bad habits and the market eventually turns, you're going to get crushed. So you have to stay consistent with that discipline. Yeah. And, and you also bring up another good point where getting shaken out is part of the game you are going to get shaken out that that's your that's essentially the insurance that you have that's the protection and that's that that's a lot of times though the deal that i make before uh, when uh, buying a stock is okay if it goes down here i'm out but there are plenty of times especially in strong markets where they're going to turn around go right back up and now and this also took me years to, to really learn you have to kind of get around that price anchoring bias 
where it's like, oh my God, I sold it down at 45 or whatever. Now it's back up at 50. The expectations that it was going to go lower have broken. Now I might have to adjust my expectations and actually buy back again and even higher. Yeah, that's another pattern is with strong stocks, strong markets, right before they take off, you tend to get a lot of doubt created or shakeouts. And that's another thing which makes things difficult. For example, between the middle of 2015 till end of uh, middle of 2016, we had that stealth bear market beneath the surface. And right before we took off, we had that Brexit situation where the market just dropped six or six and a half percent in one day very, very quickly, which created an unbelievable shakeout before we turned around and the market realized, okay, it's not that big of a deal and then took off. So markets do that and especially stocks before they take off do that, which is another thing you have to be uh, consider as part of your plan. What are, what, are my, uh, what are your thoughts on paper trading, especially if someone's new that They'll, they'll say, oh, you know, I'm, I'll paper trade up for a while and, and see how it does. Not a fan of it at all. Not a fan. I mean, if you're just learning and you don't have the funds, but I, I mean, a lot of people say, well, how much should I start with? It doesn't matter if you're starting with a smaller amount. I truly believe, even if you're buying a fractional share, you know, 10 shares, whatever you can afford, I truly believe you don't learn the lessons until you put your hard-earned money and you have you know, even sometimes if I just want a starter position or I call it a placeholder position, I'll buy a small position because that'll make sure I'm watching it. So you don't really get a feel for the market and a feel for this decision making process unless you're doing it with actual money. It'd be the difference between playing real golf and playing on Nintendo. I'll I'll crush it on Nintendo. I'll be Tiger Woods on Nintendo. But when we're playing real golf, Um, You know, that's like you really have to go out there and experience it and try different things. And I believe with trading, you have to do that with your own money. Yeah. And and so you you mentioned a bit about the scaling in, scaling out, buying smaller positions. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about that. That it took me years to kind of realize that it doesn't have to be an all or none decision where if you buy 100 shares of a stock, you don't have to buy it all 100 at one time and then sell all 100 at the other time. In fact, you're much better off scaling into the stock, maybe by thirds, by halves, by quarter, whatever your preference is. Uh, it enables you to kind of survive the ups and downs of the market or, or just uh, kind of ride through that volatility sometimes. Yeah, this goes back to this decision making. Why people struggle with the decisions is it's a great point is they feel like it's an all or nothing thing. If you're going to buy 100 shares, it's like I can't decide and you don't have to buy the entire 100 or whatever the position you want to eventually have. You can start with 20 or 25. You can start with 50 on the way in. That really helps with the decision making because again, it sounds so simple but after doing this for a long time and getting all these questions over and over and over, I'm trying to help people with, these are the questions they ask. So one way to help out is it doesn't have to be all or none. You don't have to use your entire account. You can keep some cash. You can scale in. The other question, when someone comes up to me and says, you know, I, the stock is up big or I've had a good gain, what should I do? The reason they're asking is because they own it. They have a huge profit and they're stressing out, or maybe it's becoming too big of your portfolio. So one simple solution is sell half or sell something, because if it goes higher, 
as we've discussed, you know, you still have some, and if it goes lower, you've locked in some profits. So both getting into a position and getting out of a position, it does not have to be an all or nothing thing. You can go with a quarter or a half and scale your way in to help you, you know, with those training wheels and with those decision-making with part of the process. Excellent. So getting comfortable making decisions and living with those decisions is a key part to becoming a better investor. Coming up next, Joe and I will talk about a few ideas. Stay tuned. The most successful companies don't improve an industry, they invent one. Ride the Moonshot ETF from Direction. These are 50 U.S. companies for potential for significant and disruptive impact in biotech, nanotech, space exploration, and more. The Moonshot ETF from Direction. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's investment objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. We are back with Joe Fami on Investing with IVD, sponsored by Direction. Okay, Joe, let's go into a few ideas here. And the first one we're going to start off with is InMode, ticker symbol INMD. I have it here on the weekly charts. And Joe, what do you like about this? Yeah, one thing I, I want to stress is when the market is going through a correction, pressure, whatever you want to call it, is to keep a list, especially a watch list of relative strength stocks, meaning stocks that are holding up relatively well compared to the market. I like to try to put as many factors as possible in my favor to help my probabilities of success when I'm picking stocks. So first and foremost, I like to look at the earnings and sales growth within mode where they've had an acceleration the past two quarters, uh, acceleration in revenue growth, and the earnings have ticked up from 26% to over 100% year over year. So that is a great start. That's the blueprint of the biggest winners throughout history. We'll have 30% or more earnings and sales growth over the past couple quarters. And a lot of people forget this, that the earnings are already on the table with a lot of these big winners before they make their moves. So that helps as well. And then the technical chart on a weekly chart, I really like to look for tightness in the chart and to look at the big bars uh, above the volume, above the 50 uh, week moving average, uh, the 50 moving average, depending on it's daily or weekly. Okay, so, so Joe, uh, before we get into further, define tightness for, for the, the listeners. Yeah, I'm looking for tight ranges and tight closes on the weekly chart. Okay. So I don't want charts that are all over the place that look like my EKG after a double cheeseburger. I want really nice sort of, um, you know, uh, it shows institutional support. I want to make sure you show the red line there that it's holding uh, the 10-week moving average. Mm -hmm. And I want to look for stair-stepping process where it's going up going sideways three or four weeks with minor ranges. That's just a sign that the institutions have an underlying bid and there's an underlying support behind the stock. So I even tweeted this out in the low 40s. I you know, discussed it with my educational members. So I even put it out there on Twitter and so forth in the low 40s. Still have a small position in it. So as far as you know, chasing it here, I want to stress it's not really the greatest of entry points, but I do like this story longer term, maybe on a pullback or maybe when it consolidates and we can get through whatever this downtrend correction is. It's just something to keep on your watch list because 
It fits the blueprint of a big winner with the earnings and sales growth. The technicals, not only, uh, and I know on the MarketSmith pattern recognition, you can click on that and it'll show you the blue areas with yep. some tight weeks in it as well. Right. You know, the tight areas. So yep. for people who are listening to this, when you go back to your MarketSmith, it's a good, it's a good thing to look at. I also like to look at the bottom at any big bar and volume, and you can see every five to seven, five to eight weeks, there's just big accumulation. That, that's that the fo footprints we were talking about of big institutions accumulating uh, the shares along the way. It broke out of a, an IPO base. So you have strong fundamentals, you have strong technicals, breaking out of an IPO base, you have great relative strength so far. When the market's pulled back, it's sitting near a high. So it fits all the checklists. Again, I think a lot of people look for certainties in a market that is obviously filled with a lot of gray area and uncertainties, but at least by putting all of those factors together, you're at least helping your probabilities. Yeah. And, and I think the, 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 the big key is this, this, yeah, this is a really interesting idea the market is, is definitely under pressure right now. It's not the time and it's, it hasn't set up again. So it's not the time to buy it at this point, but it is the time to add it to a watch list. So you don't forget it because it's so funny. It there's so many times where I'll see a stock like an Inmode, especially when I started off for years. See a stock like Inmode, like oh yeah, I definitely want to buy that when it pulls back. Then it pulls back maybe a month, six weeks later, and I totally forgot about it. And then I only notice it again once it's back into new highs. I'm like, wait a minute, it pulled back, and I totally lost track of it. Um, yeah. So one, oh, ahead, one thing that's a great point because I'm guilty of that as well. One thing is to put in some alerts. Maybe if it pulls back to an old pivot, to a 21 day, to a 50 day, well, not necessarily with this stock, but on stocks that you say, you know what, I do like this longer term picture and I have a light position. I've taken some profits, but on a pullback, I want to add to it. So I'll put in alerts when it gets close to the 21 day, when it gets close to retesting an old breakout, I'll put in alerts to remind me. And that's where, to your point about recency bias, you just have to remember, oh yeah, remember how bullish I was on this a while ago? Yeah. Just because it's pulling back and it's having a normal visit to the 50 day or a normal consolidation, let's not forget how you might've liked a story and by putting in alerts, putting in alerts, it'll help you to remind you to maybe uh, scale into a position if you want to. Yeah, let's go to the second stock. It is Booking Holdings, ticker symbol, BKNG, they were formerly known as Priceline. And I, my first question, Joe, is, is uh, William Shatner still the, <laughs> the evangelist and uh, face of booking holdings? That's a good question. I should know that, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, I think this is a great way, besides the fact I wanted to mention a larger cap name, a great way to play the economy opening up. A lot of people are struggling or asking what's the best way to play it do you buy an airline do you buy a cruise you know individual i mean technically yes this is individual stock risk but rather than for me buying an airline or a cruise ship or a hotel or travel car a rental car and all that this is the old price line it was a monster winner for a long time it's coming out of a two and a half three year base and again to the point of relative strength it's already emerging to a new high, the market's uh, under a little bit of pressure and this is near its highs. And then to the other point about a, the market being a discounting mechanism, it is anticipating people going out once the numbers come down with COVID and vaccination and so forth. 
uh, it's anticipating over the next six to nine months. I know I'll be traveling. I know a lot of people listening. If you're not traveling, then something's wrong with you. <laughs> if, 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 I mean, everyone's going nuts and want, will want to get out of the house. So uh, this way it covers hotels and rental cars and airfare, and it's a great way to play it. And it's institutionally supported and, and just a, a great name in the industry. Yeah, it, it's pretty amazing that this is all the way into all-time highs now. I'm going to switch over to the monthly chart so we can just get a, a look at that. And so you can see all-time highs for the stock. Now, Joe mentioned about the, the amazing runs for Priceline. Here, here you go. You did 2000, in 2006 to 2008, the beginning of 2008, had an epic, epic run. And then when it, we were coming out of the financial crisis, uh, the Great Recession, it, it was one of these stars, 2009 through really 2011, 2012. Yeah, so, it's, it's done well in several different periods. It was under 10 bucks coming out of the uh, 0203 bear market, too, uh, yeah. you know, off the March of 03 uh, follow through and, and made a great run. And again, yes, in 08, 09, it made a great run again. So it makes sense. It's discretionary. And when the economy and we go through recessions, it makes sense. It'll go through corrections. But then when we come out of that, out of it, um, I mean, it's it's a big portion of people's expenses, as well as business expenses when conventions and business travel comes back as well. So you're telling me that Zoom's not going to replace all business conventions? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> me too. That would be very, very sad. Um, okay, let's go. Well, so that, that was booking holdings, ticker symbol BKNG. Let's go to one more. And it's, uh, what was it? It was, it was Orgo, right? Yeah, uh, Organogenesis, O-R-G-O, yes. Uh, there, there you go. Sort of a small mid-cap play, about $2 billion market cap. I really wanted to stress the technicals on the weekly chart, how there's just great accumulation. Uh, I like to look for, you know, on the bottom of the base as well as on the way up, great accumulation, same thing, going up sideways, continuing to go, uh, you know, stair-stepping higher, uh, for people who are not familiar with reading charts, go through the first hundred pages of how to make money in stocks, William O'Neill, fourth edition, the orange cover. I mean, go through that. So the more, as they say, history doesn't always repeat itself. It tends to rhyme. The more you look at charts, the more you'll understand what to look for, especially on the weekly charts. I know Mike Webster and yourself are big fans of taking a step back and looking at the weekly charts. I want to look at all the big volume accumulation. It's yep. stair-stepping up. And uh, they, they just had a great jump in revenues as well. And it might be a little extended here to buy. But again, the whole point is to put on, your, on a watch list because uh, as some more elective procedures are coming back and so forth, they're very big in sports medicine and uh, rep repair and so forth. They have a lot of products approved by the FDA. As uh, the elective surgeries and elective procedures are coming back, uh, I think this is anticipating, uh, you know, a, a growth story that's ahead. It kind of reminds me of just so many stocks I've looked at that just have had these big footprints of accumulation uh, in their weekly chart every like month or two of institutions accumulating shares. Yeah, so, so something's going on here. I mean, for for it to go from four dollars up to sixteen dollars is a pretty amazing uh, run, and so maybe they're starting to to convince Wall Street. Uh, so. Another one that, yeah, you don't want to buy it right now, 
throw it in the watch list, take a look at their website, watch some videos and see if it's uh, appealing to you. I, I was looking over at the left-hand side too. Other other names here. Transmetics has has uh, stuck out to me too, which is a re another really interesting story. So there's a lot of innovation going on in the medical products field, obviously, but it just seems like it's all kind of come back and a lot of newer names are starting to pop out of that group too. Yeah, and I also want to stress to... Uh you know, use the 10 week as your guide. So if you're going to keep it on your watch list and wait for consolidation, I really want to stress that uh, with even if, whether it's a watch list name or something I'm in, whatever, I'm always using a close below the 10 week, any significant close as a stop. So I want to remind people when, you know, if they might listen to this later and maybe a month from now, they looking at the stock, if, as long as it's the, the chart pattern is still strong, I want to try to stick with it. But if they do break down, you have to have some risk management and you have to cut your losses when they break down below areas that are normally institutionally supported. Now, Joe, uh, so, so you, you've shared a lot of uh, your, the lessons that you learned over the years and, and how you're teaching people. You do this all the time at uh, your site, joefami.com. And you, you have a, a little bit of a, a, a special offer for uh, the listeners, right? Yeah, I did want to extend a special offer and, and thank you for the opportunity. I, I've been doing this over 20 something years and I've got great feedback. I'm trying to help people speed up the learning process, taking them from start to finish and my, on my educational product, which is at joefami.com, where we're going through all the terminology I talk about, the follow through days identifying market tops and fundamentals and everything like that, technicals as well. A lot of great technicals in there. And I do have a special offer. The discount code is take 100 off. It is just take with the number 100 off for $100 off your first uh, quarter. And I'm trying to be humble when I say this, I've got great feedback and, uh, and, and a lot of great, uh, doing my best to help build confidence with a lot of the members and so forth as regular videos regular webinars. And again, the discount code is take 100 off. If anyone has any questions, they can email me jfami at zorcapital.com, which is the, um, or they can find me on the website at joefami.com, which is behind me anyways. So. <laughs> no, well, I'm, no, it's perfect, Joe. I'll, I'll watch a number of videos of, of, of you and, and I, I can tell, and I mean, you definitely always teach a lot. So, and I always enjoy it. And I learned a bunch of listening to you, but I also can tell that you're very humble because the, the market has beaten all that ego out of you. Oh, I've, I'm humbled all the time. I be the first to admit uh, the market punches me in the face over and over and over. <laughs> uh, I make a lot of mistakes. I just try to contain those mistakes. Um, and I'm not here to say, you know, I'm pounding my chest and um, I'm actually at the Ferrari dealership now waiting my, for my car to get serviced. <laughs> I'm kidding. And you brought, you brought that listening. little background with you? Yeah, to the yeah, Ferrari yeah. Dealership. I, I, yeah, I carry the background with me. That's sarcasm for people who are, don't know. I, I like to joke around. But no, I, I, uh, I, I'd be the first to admit I make a lot of mistakes. I just try to contain those mistakes. Going back to what we talked about, I'm making decisions. You got to learn to make decisions. And I have no problem if I get stopped out next you move on you reduce your emotions from it and that's what i'm trying to do because there's so much to learn that if i can help people speed up that learning curve that's what i'm trying to do through not just you know through the educational product through my twitter feed and so forth just trying to help people with that and um and as and again if people are interested they can go to joefami.com and, and on the in, in, investor education um portion and it's good till the end of the weekend it's a it's a special till 
uh, Sunday till whatever that is, March seventh uh, or eighth, whatever Sunday is. So excellent. So there are some lessons that are worth learning and a few ideas that are worth considering. Thanks, Joe, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Next week, we are going to have Scott Bennett on the show. Scott was a longtime financial planner, and he's also the founder of Invest With Rules. So that's it for this week on Investing With IBD. I'm Arusha Pierce, and thanks for listening. And for this week's Nilton Charts, make sure to go to Investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode.